Hey everybody, welcome. I'm Steve Wollenhouse and this is Anatomy of Success. This week, seven questions that will help us improve life satisfaction. Glad you joined us, let's get started. Again, I'm your host, Steve Woolenhouse, and this is Anatomy of Success, where we talk about my four tenets of equanimity, better health, healthy relationships, healthy, intimate relationships, and more satisfying work. Each and every week, we dive into a brief episode dedicated to actionable steps on something relevant that you may benefit from, and I hope this week is no exception. Subscribe to the podcast, rate and review. We always appreciate that if you would. And then head over to weatherology.com. Grab the Weatherology mobile app. It's free and all sorts of new things coming on board this year that we're super excited about and more to come next year too. So when we talk about how do we improve life satisfaction, that's a big topic that can be all consuming. So let's break it down and maybe focus on seven things today that we can ask ourselves in an effort to ascertain if we're moving in the direction of cultivating greater life satisfaction, a very simple exercise. And there's plenty of things I could have added to this list, but these seven things at least cover some of the important basics that I think are relevant. First and foremost, what do I enjoy doing with people I love the most? Now, whatever that is or whatever that answer is encourages us to be around the people that we truly do love the most and make that a top priority. When we reflect on the activities that we enjoy with close friends or our kids, for instance, we discover new activities together. Regardless, the purpose is to enjoy the benefits associated with human interaction with those we care about the most, doing things we love the most. The result is positive human encounters that elevates happiness each and every day that leads to more life satisfaction. Super simple. So to improve life satisfaction, in essence, with this point, we surround ourselves with the people we love the most, friends, family, intimate partners, and we do things together that make us happy together. Very basic, but it works magically. Next, what makes me lose track of time? Well, for me, that's something called flow, a term that's been around for decades describing a state of intense absorption in some form of activity, involvement in the present moment. We're totally immersed in what we're doing. We're so focused that we become unaware of ourselves. Now, the activity that we're performing is challenging and engrossing enough so that we're stretching our skills and our expertise to the peak of our capability. When in flow, people report feeling strong and efficacious. They rise to the peak of their capabilities. They're alert, in control, and completely unself-conscious. And they do the activity because they love doing it, and they do it even if they didn't get paid doing it. They are so immersed in what they are doing, they become oblivious to everything else around them. Picture Michael Jordan playing basketball and that's the epitome of what flow looks like.
Next, what would I do if I could do anything? Considering we have limited time each day, how do we allocate that time is crucially important. Finding work-healthy endeavors that stimulate flow, for instance, super important. Research shows people viewed their work in one of three ways, a job, a career, or a calling. Now, most people are never all that present. They are ruminating about the past or spending exorbitant amounts of energy contemplating the future, which often involves a great deal of worrying. People who find their calling make no distinction between their work and the other fulfilling activities that are in their life. Those things flow together very naturally. Work doesn't feel like work. And when reminiscing about the past, people are able to extract the pain and they focus on the positive memories. They don't belabor the ugliness of the past. Nostalgic experiences create positive feelings and they reinforce our sense of being loved and protected. Thinking about the past should serve as a brief bump to motivate our inspiration, but we shouldn't dwell there, I don't believe. Planning involves meticulous consideration of our direction and deliberate appreciation of past mistakes. Happy people always have something positive that they're working on. They have strong aspirations. They strive for excellence. They have intention. Unhappy people, on the other hand, have no ambition. They are easily bored, apathetic, unmotivated. There's always someone to blame for their problems. Victims come to mind. Having concrete goals adds structure and meaning to our life. Learning to manage our time is a byproduct of having goals. It encourages responsibility and an appreciation for deadlines. Having intrinsic goals creates happier experiences and stimulates greater life satisfaction. Next, what would my ideal job look like? Not everybody was meant to be a rock star, actress, professional athlete, or social media influencer or sensation. Unfortunately, our society has placed so much value on occupations like that, accomplishments like that. It's created a culture of perpetual dreamers that don't realistically assess professional opportunities and move in the direction of creating something fulfilling that may pay incredible incredibly well and provide us with satisfaction, resources, and time so that we can do some of these things perhaps on the side as a hobby. Now, if we desire to make that dream a reality, I say go for it. But the odds are pretty slim and we have to be honest about those odds. Now, don't dismiss the other vocations that may provide professional satisfaction with giving up on a dream. It's easy to think that unless we create a billion dollar business, we've failed. So my advice, let's be realistic about what constitutes a really good dream, having a business that makes a million or two or three million dollars a year, that's quite remarkable. And you can live a remarkable life by doing that. So why it has to be a billion dollar business is beyond me. But for a lot of people, again, that love to dream so big, they lose touch with realistic goals that could really put them in a beautiful place. 
And I see many entrepreneurs toss around annual revenue figures as if that's the litmus test for success. We have a half billion dollar business in revenue. We make $10 million each year in revenue. That's fantastic. But we can create a lucrative small company and establish a remarkable quality of life with great life satisfaction without the stress, the frustration, the investors, the board of directors, the dysfunctional business partners, and the unwanted distractions. Now, dreaming big doesn't require making gazillions of dollars. It would be nice, of course, and I hope that for you, but don't make that a prerequisite for happiness because it's not. If for some reason we don't make tens of millions of dollars, but still do 600000 to a couple of million dollars a year, and you live frugally, you can live a great life, and you should be proud of yourself. So immerse ourselves in work that's stimulating, filled with purpose, and surround ourselves with extraordinary people that do remarkable things and make remarkable things happen and stay focused and create the ideal vocation. You know, happiness does not come from doing easy work, but from the afterglow of satisfaction that comes after the achievement of a difficult task that demanded our very, very best. Next, what motivates me to move my body? At Anatomy of Success, I talk about my four tenets of equanimity. That includes better health, and that's our top priority, mental and physical health. And those things increase happiness each and every day. They regulate stress and they reduce anxiety. Fitness is at the top of that list. The most important is health, I believe, and well-being. And that includes moving our body. It's easy to get discouraged about exercise because we believe we need to do certain things that we dislike, like running. If you don't like running, don't do it. I love running and I love to do it. It's one of my favorite things. If we don't stick with something because we hate it, then what's the point? Ride bike, do yoga, swim, find something that you like to do, walking, and do that each and every day and get better at it, get in flow, and learn to make that your top priority. Find something that we enjoy and do it often, is my point. Don't force yourself to do something we truly don't enjoy because then you won't stick with it. We always have to be searching for motivation to engage in activities that will stimulate the kind of commitment each and every day that will keep us dedicated to doing something that we know for a fact builds greater life satisfaction and that's better health. Next, what makes me feel calm and relaxed? What activities make us feel calm and relaxed? Yoga, meditation, reading, walking, breathing, sailing, sitting by the ocean, whatever it is that reduces stress, do it frequently. Find activities that force us to fade away from the struggles of daily life, disconnect from electronics, embrace the opportunity to move in the direction of being isolated and content with your own company is the purpose. Set boundaries with social media, electronic devices, email. We live in a culture that celebrates the hustle with little emphasis on wellness. We need to complement our daily grind, quote unquote, with activities that allow us to vanish into the peaceful place where anxiety slowly starts to dissipate.
And finally, what generous things do I enjoy doing most? When we resist the need to be in control, to take and impose our will on other people, we embrace a spirit of generosity. We offer our time and our advice as a method of helping other people discover their inner excellence. Most people overestimate their contributions. Couples do it all the time. When we adopt an attitude of humility, we gain appreciation for another person's perspective. Empathy and compassion become a language of progress, and we break down barriers that automatically exist in our relationships, for instance. Couples, again, as I mentioned, overlook the power of this. Givers have a propensity to focus on potential. They see the potential in everybody, and that includes their partners, and search for qualities that seldom receive notoriety. They gravitate toward motivation, personality, desire, sacrifice. These attributes create a spirit of support and cooperation in relationships that discourages individual effort and accentuates participation. So the whole point of this exercise is instead of focusing on all the things that we dislike about our intimate partners or close friends, focus on the good things and be a catalyst for positive change and point out the positive things and celebrate those successes encourage one another and watch what happens. Nine out of 10 times, it's reciprocated. Givers are more inclined to evaluate their past success predicated on the contributions of other people. And that makes for a more satisfying life. According to Eric Fromman, Greed is a bottomless pit which exhausts the person in an endless effort to satisfy the need without ever reaching satisfaction. Seven things today that I hope will help you move in the direction of greater life satisfaction. And who doesn't want to be more satisfied in this life? Thanks for joining us. I'm Steve Wolanos. This has been Anatomy of Success. Come back again next week. Until then, let's stay focused, let's stay positive, and let's stay optimistic.